0: The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
1: We don't need no education.
0: We don't need no
1: Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom, and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And of course, I'm joined in studio once again by producer of Education Nation and my co-host Mark Durkin.
2: Well, hello again, Rebecca. Well,
1: listen, we are going to jump right in here because we have a wonderful guest that we always enjoy having on our show. Uh, But before we introduce her, I just want to introduce our topic. The Minnesota Supreme Court issued a ruling with the potential to transform K-12 education in the Twin Cities for decades to come. The court decided that Cruz Guzman versus the state of Minnesota, a case in in which plaintiffs seek court-ordered metro-wide racial balancing in public schools in the Twin Cities region, can go forward.
2: And that's right, the court's decision of four to two to overturn a two thousand seventeen dismissal of the case, which had previously ruled that whether students of color are getting an adequate education is a question for the legislature, not the courts. In dissenting Justice Barry Anderson while acknowledging the appalling performance of Minneapolis and St. Paul public schools, he stated, quote, the courts should not intervene where the legislature and the governor have failed. As attractive as that option might seem, ultimately, we lack authority to address what is fundamentally a political question, end of quote. Mm-hmm. And speaking for the majority opinion in this case, just as Natalie Hudson had stated, quote, we will not shy away from our proper role to provide remedies for violations of fundamental rights, Merely because education is a complex area. Quote. Now, we can all agree that we must come together and devote our energy in providing an education that works for all Minnesota children. However, Research and more than 40 years of experience demonstrate that though extremely costly, neither the race based busing nor learning gap programs are likely to improve minority performance. Mm-hmm.
1: And even if they were, do we want legislation coming from the bench? Not at all. No, we don't. And once again, that's what we're seeing potentially happening in this case. Well, joining us by telephone to bring clarity to this important ruling is Katherine Kirsten. Katherine is a writer, an attorney, a Senior Policy Fellow and Founding Director at the Center of the American Experiment, having also served as its chair from 1996 to 1998. She's also served as a Metro columnist for the Star Tribune from 2005 to 2008, and before that was an opinion columnist for the paper for 17 years. She's been a guest many times on Education Nation and is a name that is recognized by the AM1280 Patriot audience. Catherine, thanks again for joining us this evening. Well, it's my pleasure. Glad to have you on. Before we begin to discuss the ramifications of the Cruz Guzman case, it's important to understand that Minnesota policymakers have assumed for more than 40 years that racial balance in schools is the key to improving minority performance. Can you share with our listeners what initial steps were taken actually back in 1973 and 95 and what uh, that mandatory busing did? Yes, there was
3: actually, believe it or not, a court-ordered busing in Minneapolis starting in 1974. Mm -hmm. Very controversial decision, but that went on for 20 years. Toward the end, it was not because of the court order anymore, but because the state had adopted um, so-called integration rules that the Minneapolis schools were trying to conformed to and and actually those Minneapolis schools were were perfectly racially balanced for some time unfortunately uh this did not result in uh improved performance by uh, black students in minneapolis in fact the last few years of busing saw so actual declines in reading and math scores by the black students there but um uh, Uh, Mm -hmm. In in 1995, uh, Mm -hmm. this may be what you're referring to, um, uh, Sharon Sales Belton, who was mayor of Minneapolis at the time and an African-American, pushed very hard for and was successful in getting an end to race-based busing in Minneapolis. She said, um, we are busing are black students uh, every day the distance to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. this is not a good use of money. It would be much wiser since this is torn apart neighborhoods, makes it much harder for parents uh, to, to get to their kids' schools that are farther away. And maybe they've got kids at several schools. She said it would be much better off devoting uh, this funding and, and a focus of attention to improving the schools rather than thinking that, you know, if, if black kids sit next to white kids, this somehow this is going to uh, help them right. to learn better would be the answer.
1: Yeah. Interesting that um, it was Mayor Belton, that Mayor uh, yeah. South Belton, that understood that and, and made That's that change. She, um, well, she
3: joined a number of black mayors across the, the nation at that time. Mayor Wellington Webb in Denver, Seattle, mm-hmm. Cleveland, all saying the same thing. Stop this, and I'll, let's focus on kids, not on skin color.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so so true. And that was back in 1995, and you've, mm-hmm. you've kind of touched on the fact that other cities had been trying this around the nation as well. Um, what kind yeah. of impact did that have around the country in all these different American cities?
3: Well, if you're a person of a certain age, you remember when— Race-based busing was uh, extremely widespread mm-hmm. um, and for decades, uh, but it failed everywhere in any city uh, or metro area of uh, well, city mm-hmm. of any meaningful size to have any kind of uh, significant effect mm-hmm. on uh, the, the so-called racial learning gap, mm-hmm. it, it it cost you know, billions of dollars. Everybody, I think, many people remember Kansas City, for example, where every school in the city was turned into a fabulously expensive magnet school trying to draw white kids in because, you know, the balance of skin colors was considered important. Mm-hmm. And it failed so miserably that um, essentially the the, uh, the uh, Kansas City schools no longer were able to operate under their own control, and, and they goodness. had to be moved, like to to the state, mm-hmm. uh, because they failed so miserably. And and this this was true across the nation that this notion of, of busing kids uh, was was simply a, a huge and very costly failure
1: mm-hmm. and heartbreaking for the kids. You know, you imagine Absolutely. how many children were affected by this. And you know, I say often on this show, kids get one shot at an education, right? And so often um, policymakers look at things from such a big-picture viewpoint. They want to try this. They want to try that. They forget that right. these are kids, and you really need to be thinking through and researching and testing things before you try them on these Establish kids. some facts first. And determine whether it really is going to be workable. Um, it's, yeah, it's
3: just so true. What we never look at is... How are children taught? Right. It's, it's all about putting them next to a person of another skin color, never what's actually
1: happening in, in the, the classroom in terms of effective classroom instruction, right? Right, right. And that's really where it comes down to.
2: Think of the stress that's it right. puts on the kids, too. I mean, if they're being bused to a further distance, they're yeah. going to, to get up earlier in the morning. That's less time oh. they're spending with their family. Oh, yeah. It just snowballs. Absolutely.
1: It, it absolutely does, absolutely. yeah. Well, in 1995, Minnesota State Board of Education sought to win approval for a metro-wide desegregation plan under the sponsorship of then-state legislator Myron Orfeld. What were some of the key components of Orfield's plan and what were some of the crucial flaws that prohibited this busing plan from gaining traction? So even though they knew it was failing, they're still going to try to make it happen again.
3: (laughs) Yes, because it's an ideology that's not evidence-based. So what Myron Orfield wanted and and wants today in this current case, actually, Mm -hmm. where he filed an amicus brief, Mm -hmm. uh, is metro-wide race-based busing for uh, the entire Twin Cities. Um, the idea, you know, from my perspective, is to take something that has failed, everywhere has been tried, right. and expand it. Right. Uh, and in fact, uh, Dan Shulman, who is the attorney who brought this Cruz Guzman case, the one that you know you were discussing mm-hmm. it initially, has told the New York Times just uh, the last couple of weeks that he wants a seven county race based busing. Um, remedy in this case. And he says, that means there will be no white flight because where will they go?
1: Oh, my wow. goodness. Yep. Wow. Uh, an what a Insult to and...
3: parents of all races. Yes,
1: yes. It yes. is an insult to parents of all races. Absolutely.
3: Well, so they, oh. the, the idea back then uh, was to put this into place. Um, uh, the State Board of Education um, unanimously endorsed it. And this would have required busing kids from like Belle Plaine, Jordan, et cetera, really on the fringes of wow. the metro area, to, uh, to to achieve racial balance in, uh, in particular, Minneapolis and Saint Paul schools, certainly, mm-hmm. in all the the seven county uh, metro area schools.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
2: You mentioned uh, Dan uh, Shulman there, Catherine, who's representing the plaintiffs in this Cruz Guzman case. He he had Mm -hmm. filed a lawsuit uh, years ago under the same objective, and that produced the court case NAACP versus the state of Minnesota, which was settled in 2000 with the creation of the Choice is Yours program. What school options did this program allow for Minneapolis students? I mean, how did these students perform academically in their new school settings, and did their performance really Stack up against low- income Minneapolis students that stayed in the city schools?
3: Right. well um, that was the that was the settlement uh, the low income minneapolis kids at uh, at state expense were given the option to uh, transfer to I think it was eight uh, uh, suburban school districts if the space was available and thousands of them took advantage of that opportunity. It was very disappointing, though, in terms of, of uh, increased academic achievements. Uh, and, in fact, I think it was twice, maybe three times, that the scores were, were actually assessed. And uh, the students who had left were compared to a controlled group in Minneapolis. And uh, the first time there would sound to be a very, very slight Improvement. The second time, uh, there was found to be a, you know, a rather significant um, decline or difference, a negative difference mm-hmm. in the performance of the kids who mm-hmm. had been bussed. Now, the parents uniformly said they really thought this was a great idea. they just the parents who participated. But not many kids stayed for more than just a, a short period because it was just such a long bus just ride. Right. Exactly. And, they, and they wanted to be with their friends. Right, you know, their neighborhood friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. the, so the program is actually defunct at this point. It did have a an expiration date that was expended once, I think. But, you know, nobody is saying that this was any kind of great uh, success at all. And, of course, there's so many more options now with charters, and we continue to have open enrollment Mm -hmm. in a very unusual way
2: in Minnesota. Right. Right. Yeah. You're listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280 The Patriot. Tonight we're speaking with Catherine Kirsten. She's helping us understand Minnesota's history of racial balancing over the last 40 years, what may be in store for Twin City schools on the racial equity front in light of the state Supreme Court's affirmative ruling. We'll get to these specifics in just a few moments. But first, at the turn of the decade, uh, it was exceedingly clear that busing students for integration was failing everywhere. But, you know, Eden Prairie wanted to give this a try next. And by this time, there was a change in the approach. And why is that? Well, in 2007, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that busing students for racial balance was unconstitutional. And as a result, we mentioned Myron Orfield. Again, he created a new desegregation plan. That would bus elementary students to schools, some across town from their homes, on the basis of income now, not race. At the time, the officials insisted that this plan would produce economic diversity that would improve the academic achievement of low-income minority children. Well, in 2013, the Minnesota Campaign for Achievement Now, or otherwise known as MinCAN. School and district report cards recognized five Eden Prairie schools as top-performing public schools for Latino and Asian student performance. And despite these gains, MinCAN had reported that achievement gaps in the Eden Prairie public school district between white and black students at the secondary level remained well above state averages. So listening to this assessment, Catherine, is it safe to draw the conclusion, I mean, really, that such differences have more to do often with radically different social and familial environments than with school policies?
3: Yes, that is absolutely right. But let let me just say um, first that uh, what happened in 2007 with the Supreme Court is that uh, busing students for racial balance alone rather than because the government had deliberately uh, and in a discriminatory way, separated kids on the basis of race, as was done in the old South.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm.
3: if that were done today, that would—you can't say black kids go here, white kids go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, of course, that—that that has essentially disappeared. That phenomenon, and so uh, many many places, many school districts have tried this busing just for so-called diversity or racial balance. That's what the Supreme Court said is no longer is not allowed. And the, that's the reason that um, Dan Schulman is using the state courts in Minnesota, not the federal courts, because hmm. you can't possibly do what he wants to do in the federal courts today. So yes, uh, back to Eden Prairie, um, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely clear. And there's abundant social science research that socioeconomic economic and familial risk factors are the, the cause of the racial learning gap that we see mm-hmm. we know that there is a a, a very large gap between the uh, black and white and asian out of wedlock birth rates for mm-hmm. example in minnesota and across the nation we know that kids that, that black kids on average who take say the peabody vocabulary test at the age of five do uh, more than a full, perform at more than a full standard deviation below uh, white five-year-olds. They come to school on average uh, with deficits that Mm -hmm. schools need to know how to uh, to improve on. Mm
1: -hmm. And interesting, I don't want to get down a rabbit trail here, but um, the early childhood programs, um, that they have done with, um, I think it's uh, Head Start programs, they mm-hmm. have not demonstrated success in closing that gap, no, which I find is interesting as well. Now. So, again, yeah. it comes down to the familial and the social environments, not uh, the school program that they're in.
3: Right. Now, there are school programs that can help, and we can talk about those if we have time And some of these high expectations odds. chartered schools for mm, example right. it's very impressive mm-hmm. what kids from you know uh, low income backgrounds can do Mm-hmm. but it, it, you've got to really know what you're doing right it's, well it's a big
1: budget yeah and i and i should correct the way i said that I, the it, it's what is being done in the school in terms of what is the content how is it being taught those are the yeah. things that can really make a difference i know um, exactly. hope hope academy which is a private school not chartered, down in downtown minneapolis that works with low-income children lot of minority students has great success with their kids example yeah so um, it can be done it's just that some of the money that we're pouring into these state programs are not necessarily working
3: exactly yeah
1: well in the years leading up to the Cruz Guzman case the state of Minnesota was on the cusp of another lawsuit which would threaten both the quality of our public schools and our cherished tradition of school choice and the Cruz Guzman Mm -hmm. case was described as an education adequacy lawsuit can you tell us a little bit more about what type of lawsuit um, the plaintiffs are trying to portray, and how expensive things can get for the state of Minnesota in light of the state's yes. supreme court ruling? Yes,
3: indeed. Yeah. So, an education adequacy case is a case brought in state court for the reason I just described. Hmm. You cannot do this in federal court anymore. So, uh, the smart people uh, who want to represent want to represent plaintiffs in these kinds of cases. Um, and look at the state constitutions, and, and Minnesota is pretty typical. We have a, an education clause in our state constitution that says that um, uh, the, the state will create a general and uniform uh, system of education, mm-hmm. thorough and efficient uh, education. That's what, you know, will mm-hmm. provide. So these plaintiffs are looking at that very vague language, mm-hmm. and they're claiming uh, that they insert this notion of adequacy. Which isn't in the Constitution, and they claim that um, low income minority kids are not getting a so-called adequate education, mm-hmm. which they say is guaranteed by the state constitution because of the racial learning gap
2: because mm-hmm.
3: of their uh, their their overall lower mm-hmm. academic performance. Mm-hmm. So in most education adequacy cases, um, plaintiffs have sought simply more money and yeah. tons and tons of more money. But uh, what what uh, Dan Schulman is doing here, I'm sure that this will cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He is saying that the adequacy, that the, what what we have in this state educationally, or that is in Minneapolis-St. Paul, is not an adequate education because of uh, racial and socioeconomic imbalance. Right. So, so on that basis, he wants to bust kids uh, mm-hmm. For for the you know, color of their skin type reasons, hmm.
1: right, and that's the part that just baffles me because certainly everybody sees that the the gap is not okay, and and everybody wants to solve it, but I don't understand this constant movement towards thinking that if we just mix everybody perfectly well, that right. that's going to make that's going to make the difference, and especially as you say that there's proven track records that that does not solve the problem, right. Um, we are we are going to have to <laughs> keep yeah. going here. We've got so many more things we want to ask you about, and we're running out of time. Um, let's let's quickly go into this next question here. While while Minnesota taxpayers are facing a potential fiscal disaster in light of Cruz Guzman, can we expect or what can we expect when considering other victorious adequacy plaintiffs in states such as New Jersey and Colorado?
3: Well, um, in New Jersey, they've had education adequacy litigation for over 40 years now, hmm. with massive, massive sums that uh, caused property taxes to be raised and almost created a revolt on the part of taxpayers. Uh, going All this money going to, to uh, very low-income districts, uh, the racial achievement gap essentially has not budged there, despite mm-hmm. all of this. But the case that is most important for us is the only other case in the nation, uh, which is like Shulman's case, hmm. where plaintiffs blamed a racial imbalance mm-hmm. for inadequate education. That's the chef case in Connecticut there. That's been going, it was filed in 1986. Think oh, wow. of that. <laughs> and the courts are still controlling the schools in Hartford, Connecticut. Wow. They have spent over $3 billion on specialized magnet schools there for kids. And it's so perverse, the outcome mm. after 30 years, that, um, uh, black and Latino kids who really want to get into these schools and some of them are being turned away some of the some of them 40 percent of the seats are being left vacant because the school the state will only pay for them if they have 25 percent at least 25 percent white and asian students no all these black kids this was brought on their behalf right right and they can't even get into the extremely expensive magnet schools created
1: Oh, my
2: goodness.
3: It's a total
1: outrage. Oh, that is heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking.
2: That's really, I mean, if if education adequacy litigation doesn't raise student achievement, I mean, why are courts continuing to rule for plaintiffs in these suits, do you think?
3: Well, um, I think that the primary reason is that plaintiffs uh, have done such a good job in putting in people's minds that these schools are segregated. We all know Segregation is bad, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, current current schools it is utterly false. The mm-hmm. schools in Minneapolis uh, and Saint Paul are racially imbalanced, but segregation, Brown v. Board of Education mm-hmm. type segregation, requires deliberate, intentional right. Right. government right. action to separate kids. So what we have here it is fantastic school choice in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We have charter schools that Dan Shulman is going after that are 100% black. They are chosen by parents. Some are these high expectation, rigorous, beat the odds charter schools. The parents want their kids there. Right. Uh, Dan Schulman doesn't want them there because even though parents choose them, he says, nope, got to have a bunch of white kids in your class. Or you're not going to be adequately educated. So this, is, this could spell a huge, well, almost the end of as we know it in Minnesota if plaintiffs get what they want. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And in light of the plaintiff's uh, case here with Cruz Guzman, um, there are two central elements that are tied into learning gap-related plans that a court would likely adopt as a framework to determine whether Minnesota students are receiving an adequate or equitable education. What might those be, um, if you could describe those for us?
3: Well, uh, I mean, they, they, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, but they uh, they they look at the uh, plaintiffs want them to look at the the learning gap uh, between kids of different races and to say that because there's a learning gap, they are not getting an adequate education. And if, number one, they had more money or in the case of Dan Schulman's case, if they had racial balance in the classrooms, then the kids would, by definition, uh, be getting an adequate education. But of course, they don't consider that the real reasons for these learning gaps sure. are these socioeconomic family risk factors that we discussed earlier. And it's it's very hard for schools uh, to, to do uh, what we'd all like to have done uh, about that.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, one of the things that I want to focus on is to give you the opportunity to tell us what, from your research, you've done a lot of research on this topic over the years, Catherine. Um, what are the most effective ways to improve poor minority children's learning?
3: Well, um, I think, number one, we need to expand the school choice, not mm-hmm. constrict it the way that Dan Schulman wants to do. I think the way kids are taught in the high-performing, um, heavily minority charter schools that I have visited Is so different from what's done in the ordinary public school. Mm -hmm. For example, um, when I visited uh, several years ago Harvest Prep Mm
1: -hmm. School,
3: which is run by Eric Mahmoud in Minneapolis, they are so intentional. They have um, 100 minute blocks Mm -hmm. of reading and Uh, math instruction time they are so focused on what many educators would dismiss as drill and kill work say Mm -hmm. in the early years in math those kids when I visited knew their math facts backwards and forwards so they had it was all automatic for them and as they went into more advanced mathematics they were able to they weren't hung up on facts they couldn't remember Mm -hmm. and in reading when they entered school I mean at five the, the, the folks there already knew exactly where they were in terms of phonemic awareness, mm-hmm. learning how to read. They tested them every week. They found out exactly where they needed help. It's, it's that kind of intentional instruction. What, and there's a focus on order and civility in the classroom, mm-hmm. high expectations for kids alternative teacher certification, too. Mm -hmm. You're going to jump through all the hoops that you have to otherwise. um, I mean, it would be a wonderful, wonderful change. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of targeted interventions and common sense changes are what we need. Absolutely. We have
2: about 20 seconds here real quick, Catherine. What counsel would you give to parents that are really concerned about their kids potentially being bused out of their chosen district?
3: Well, uh, I think it's important that the public understand the risks here because hardly anybody knows that this is on the horizon. The Supreme Court may eventually make the, the final decision, the minnesota supreme court but they'll do it in a political atmosphere right if people know and object and write letters to the editor and speak to their legislators etc i think that could make a real difference in the outcome of the case
1: absolutely Catherine, you are always a wealth of knowledge thank you so much for joining us again here and thank you to our listeners and we will see you again next saturday on education nation